Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's Word and His presence to change your life. Well, today, if you have your Bible, let's jump into John chapter 4. I'm going to be reading out of John chapter 4. We're going to read a very popular story, and uh, it's going to be a little bit of a read, but I, uh, I can bet that if you came to the 9 o'clock service, you're a morning person, so it shouldn't affect you at all, okay? Y'all ready? It's just a really, really good story, and there's so much in here, so I want to read the whole thing. We can kind of get all that God wants us to get out of this story. John chapter four, verse one says, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. We're going to talk a little bit more about that here in a little bit. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? It's so awesome to be able to sit back and listen to what she was saying because she's making a complete fool of herself, right? Because she's literally talking to Jesus. She's like, you think you're better than Jacob? He's kind of like, actually, yes. Um, I think you're greater than Jacob who gave us this well. How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I will give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. Verse 16, Jesus says, go and get your husband. She said, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands. You think I step on your toes, Jesus is getting all up on it, right? (laughs) You've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. See, this is why I know sarcasm is okay, because Jesus, right there, did you see it? (laughs) It's right there. He said, sir, the woman said, that's my, that my favorite part. Sir, you must be a prophet. No duh, right? <laughs> and then she does the classic thing that we all like to do whenever we get called out. She changes the subject. Jesus is talking about what she's really going through. And she's like, oh, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place to worship? While we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, The time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. Come on, say now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. 
The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. In other words, this woman just said, Jesus, you're talking some really cool stuff. Let's just wait till the Messiah gets here to really explain what you're saying. And then Jesus hits her with this. I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah. Today, I want to talk to you around a a subject that I I believe is, is very important for our church. Yes, you can take this message and apply it to your life in any way, just as a, just as a person. But um, th- th- this talk is really about establishing um, a, a culture in this body that I believe God wants us to establish. I believe that, that, we, that he wants us to live this kind of way. And, and so I, I want to kind of I wanna ask you this, this question today to kind of get your, your mind moving in the, in the right direction. I want you to ask yourself this question. If Jesus had a church today, what would it look like? If Jesus had his own church today, what would it look like? What would Jesus' church sound like? What would it feel like? What kind of atmosphere would you walk in if it was Jesus' church? Maybe uh, another question to help us think about this what would it not look like? If Jesus had a church today, what would it not look like? If you were able to kind of, if, if this was Jesus's church right now and, and all these people were in here and you were just out there in one of those windows and you were peeking through, who, who would you see in here? What kind of people you think would be sitting in these chairs? What kind of people would be coming? Because I think our desire, a great desire of my heart, and I think it would be of your heart, is that our church would look like the the church that Jesus would have. That our church would have the people that Jesus would have in his church. That when people walked in, they would feel something that they would feel when they walked in if Jesus had his own church. This is my desire. This is our desire. And so today I want to title the message, If Jesus Had a Church Today. If Jesus had a church today, would you pray with me? Yeah, Jesus, we thank you for this time. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to to be the the leader and guider that you are. We ask you to lead and you to guide us into truth today. I pray that you would be upon my lips. It would be not my words, but your words today, God. Yeah, we we all just open up our heart today. We open up our, our heart. We open up our spiritual eyes to receive, receive, receive. Everything that you have for us today. Every single thing. Lord, we will not walk out of here without getting everything you meant for us to get today. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. Amen, amen. Have you ever found yourself in a place where you did not belong? Anybody ever found yourself in a place you didn't belong? For, for many of you, that, for, that, that the first time that happened is when you went to your first fancy restaurant and you realized there's two forks and not just one. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You sat down and you look to the side and you're like, is that for a kid or am I supposed to use that thing, right? Whether it be in a, in a ritzy place or a fancy place that we've gone into before, there, we have many, many instances in our life where we just feel like, man, I, I just don't belong. Maybe you've got yourself into a, you, you found yourself in a group of people who were nothing like you. 
And you're like, man, I just, I don't, I don't belong here. I want you to think about those moments that you've had and think about what you felt during that time. You were anxious, weren't you? You feel anxious. You want to get out of there as soon as you can. You feel insecure. You're a little bit scared. I remember um, back in college, I think I was about 20 years old, uh, speaking of places I didn't belong. Um, I, uh, I, was, I was invited by some of my buddies to go to a country concert. I don't know if you can tell, but I haven't been to many country concerts, all right? And I like country music. Some of y'all like, don't even laugh because you're like, does he not like country music? Babe, get your things. We're walking out right now. <laughs> Come on. <clears throat> no, in fact, it was a Texas country concert. Come on. Y'all want to admit how big of a sinner y'all are? Randy Rogers concert. Where am I at? I got any, okay, I got some people out there who know what I'm talking about. We were going to this concert and you gotta, first you have to understand my, my roommate, my freshman year in college, his name was Rowdy Walker. Fredericks, he's from Fredericksburg, Texas. He was named after a bull. <laughs> that, that was my roommate in, in college. And then somehow, my second best friend, you know what his name was? His name was Lade Rogers. He should write a whole album even if he can't sing because with that name it would sell, right? I mean, the most country guys you could possibly think of were my two best friends in college. And they're like, hey, Keith, let's go to this concert. I was like, okay. But then they took it a step further. They said, I dare you to dress up as a cowboy. So like any good man, I took the dare and I dressed up like a cowboy. I put on cinch jeans. Y'all know, know what cinch jeans are? Where, where, are my, where are my Western cowboy people at? I see some of y'all back there. There you are. Had cinch jeans. I had a cinch blue plaid shirt, long sleeve and button up. Come on, somebody. Had a belt on and boots. Don't worry, I did not wear a cowboy hat, okay? And I, and, I, and I got into this get up. And can I just say, guys, that when you, if, those of you who wear this stuff, I have no idea how you function in life. Number one, it's extremely uncomfortable. Number two, your butt is just out there for everyone to see. I felt so exposed. I was like, I don't even have a butt to expose, but I felt like, I was like, everyone's staring at me right now. And it's like, I will never, ever do this again. And I thought it couldn't get worse by being in those Western clothes, but then I went to the actual concert and it got worse. I felt like everyone was staring at me. I, I felt so out of place. I can't even describe to you how out of place and how I felt I just did not belong. You know what I needed? I needed to go home. I need to go and find my, my, uh, my boot cut buckle jeans, put on an American Eagle shirt and some flip-flops and I'd have been just fine. You know what I mean? But here I was and I was in this place. I just, I just didn't belong. I didn't belong in those clothes. I didn't belong in that environment. I didn't belong around those people. I was completely out of place. I was just different than everyone else. I want to kind of take you back to the story of the woman at the well because I think that she actually felt the same way when she met Jesus. You know how she felt? She felt like she didn't belong. She felt like she was just too different. Did you notice her response when Jesus said, hey, will you give me a drink? Please give me a drink. You know what she said? She said, why are you asking me for a drink? Let, let me put it in, 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 in a, a term that we can understand. Here's what she really said. 
Why are you talking to me? She goes on to say, you're a, you're a Jew and I'm a, a Samaritan. Jews and Samaritans, we don't, we don't conversate. We don't belong talking to one another. In fact, not just the fact that you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan, the fact that you're a man and I'm a woman. I mean, there's so many things that were different about them. And the woman was just, she was trying to communicate. You, you could tell on the inside, she thought, I don't belong. Kind of give you a, a little bit more backstory for you to understand the situation. Jews and Samaritans hated each other. There were these two people groups that honestly, they could not stand each other. They had different political views. They had different religious views. They lived in a different culture and operated completely different from one another. In fact, it said this in some commentary that I read this week. Devout Jews, when they were going, see Jesus was traveling from Judea to Galilee. The fastest route to get there is to go through Samaria. You know what it said? It said actually devout Jews, they wouldn't even travel through the town of Samaria because they felt that if they even went through the town, they would become unclean. That just through walking through the town, they would actually take the loop around Samaria and not go, I mean, who, you gotta, you gotta really not like somebody to, to drive, well, they weren't driving then because they didn't have cars, Dusty, they didn't have cars, sorry. But you gotta, you gotta really not like someone to, to walk further, just in general, ever. They thought they'd be defiled by, by going through that. that. That's how much they didn't like one another. And here comes Jesus. And Jesus doesn't just go through Samaria, he stops in Samaria. And he doesn't just stop, but he actually has a conversation with a Samaritan woman. And he doesn't just have a conversation with a Samaritan woman. You know what he actually does? He asks her for a drink. So you have, the, you have this, this standard where Jews don't even want to walk through the town because they'd be defiled. And here Jesus is sitting at the well and he's asking for a Samaritan woman to touch the jar and pour the water into the jar that he's about to touch and about to drink. Are you following me this morning? Jesus was communicating way more than we could ever imagine when he said, please give me a drink. It was in this moment that I believe Jesus actually broke through all the differences that separated him and this woman. All the differences in their beliefs, all the differences in their culture, all the differences that were just right there, right out in front of them. He broke through with one little question, please give me a drink. And the, and the point that I'm wanting you to grab today, and the point that I wanted us to kind of talk about this morning, is that Jesus was willing to reach out and accept this woman despite her different beliefs, despite her diff the different culture, despite the, despite the differences that were, that were separating them, he reached out to her and in one moment, he accepted her and he made her feel like she belonged. And the question I wanna ask you today is, do you do the same thing with people who are different than you? When it comes I know this is kind of a, a sobering message and I'm preaching to myself today. But when it comes to people who are different than you are, let me, let me really, y'all wanna get real this morning? When, it, when you're a Republican and it comes to Democrats, yeah, ouch, exactly. 
How do you feel about them? What do you think about them? When it comes to these people who are different, because despite all the differences that Jesus had with this woman, and I'll even go as far as to say this, even despite her sin, he reached out to her. We all know how the story went, right? He, he kind of set her up on a good one. He's like, go get your husband. Jesus knew what he was doing. He knew she didn't have a husband. In other words, he actually addressed the sin in her life. He, the point I'm making, before he ever talked to her, he knew what she was doing. And yet he still talked to her. And don't we kind of live in a culture right now don't we kind of live in an environment right now where we don't even want to talk to somebody just because they got vaccinated or didn't? Just because they wear a mask and you don't? I mean, because they, they, uh, they actually support Black Lives Matter and you don't? I'm just, I didn't know I was going here today, but we're, we're on our way, aren't we? I mean, this is just, I want to be real. I want, to, I want us to be a real church. Talk about real things. And some of us, some believers, some people in the church, we will take such a huge stand on, on a mask and not even accept and talk to and make someone who is, just believes a little bit different than we do and make them, make them feel like they belong in, the, in a church or in a conversation even with ourselves. I'm not judging you today and I'm not saying that you are this way, but come on, raise your hand if this is making a little bit of sense and it's kind of real, isn't it? This is kind of the hostile environment that we are, we're living in right now. It says take a stand and, 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 and all these things. And, and, and I just, I wanna, I wanna kind of give you a disclaimer today because um, some of you are out there and you're kind of like, well, isn't there a time that we take a stand? Isn't there a time where we stand up for what's right? Isn't scripture black and white and we should stand up for the truth of God? And to all those questions, I would say, yes, absolutely. We do stand up. There are, there are things we should stand for. There are things that are black and white that are non-negotiable. And, and, and I'll just let you know, in this church, if you've been here long enough, you know, we preach it. And what I'm saying is, is that we, 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 may not, we may not accept the sin, but we are a church who accepts sinners. We may not be a people who are, I'm not saying that we accept sin, but we sure are a church that accepts people who are on a journey towards God. We are, we are I want us to be a church that is full of grace, that is full of mercy, that realizes that we don't have it all figured out. And in fact, some people have it more figured out than we do. And it doesn't matter where you are at on your journey. If you want a little bit of Jesus, you're welcome right here. I don't care if you're living in homosexuality. I don't care if you believe in BLM. I don't care if, 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 if you are even a little bit racist. You know where you need to be? You need to be sitting right here. You need the word of God getting poured out over your life. You need to be hearing worship songs come out over you, telling you how to think, how to feel, what you should actually be doing. Where should these people be going? Where should they be accepted? They should be accepted into the body of Christ. This is their place. 
this is where they belong. And I'll tell you this, they'll never listen to the truth until they know that you care and they know that they belong. I remember we moved up here a year, I think it was about a year ago, and um, my son Jackson, he, he got into the fourth grade, and you know kids just start saying certain things in the fourth grade that they didn't say in third grade. And um, he was coming to a whole new school, a whole new town, and um, he went out on the playground, and this was like within the first couple days, and I asked him, I was like, hey man, how was your day today? Good, did you have fun at the playground? Yeah, we played football. He's like, but, but I, don't, I don't like any of those kids. I was like, why? He's like, because they were, they were cussing. <laughs> oh, really? No way. Kids were cussing? I can't believe that. And he was like, yeah, they're just, they're saying, they even said the F word, and they were just saying like all this bad stuff, and he would just, he was getting so mad. And, 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 and the problem was he wasn't just getting mad. He was making no friends because he would go out there and you know what he was doing? He was calling out everybody. <laughs> hey, don't say that. Hey, don't talk like that. Hey, you shouldn't say that. And I mean, he was just, I mean, he, he did not know anyone. And he was just, where's your husband? That's pretty much what he was doing to him. <laughs> just setting him up, preaching to him. <laughs> and and while I love that about him, while I love that he was standing up for truth and standing up for righteousness, finally one day in the truck, as we were driving home from school, you know what I said to him? I said, listen, buddy, what you're saying is the right thing. What you believe is the right thing. But hear me, they will never listen to you until they know that you care about them. You know what? Let some of those cuss words slide a little bit. Be a friend first. And I know that may bother you a little bit, but is, that, is this not what Jesus just did? He did not let her sin and all the differences that they had keep him from reaching out to her. Isn't this what he did for you and me? In fact, scripture says, while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. He actually died for us when we were still in our sin. I want us to be a people, and I think we actually are, are really good at this already, but I wanna give you some scripture and I wanna give you some foundation and some backing to why you are the way that you are, why we do what we do, because I want us to be a church that accepts everyone. I want Wrangler-wearing people and skinny jean-wearing people in my church. I want both. I want black and white and all the other ones too. I want iPhone users and Samsung users. Even though you need deliverance, we want you in our church. This is why you are here. So I want to ask you a couple of questions today. What are some of the thoughts you think about people who are different than you are? How many people that are different than you are are your friends? How many friends do you have that are different than you are? Here's one. What's the vibe 
that we could be putting off when people who are different than us show up to our church? Are we putting off a vibe? If so, what is that vibe? What do you think about people who got the vaccine? What do you think about people who wear a mask or don't? What do you think about a pastor who preaches in a t-shirt? <laughs> How do you feel about people of the opposite political party than you? I'm not saying these to condemn you or bring shame at all. I'm asking you to evaluate and say, Lord, say, Jesus, I want to look like you. I want to think like you. I want to feel like you. And if there's anything in me that doesn't represent you, get it out and I need more of you in. Amen. So I want to give you two things today as I go to close. I want to give you two things on, on how we actually become the kind of church and the kind of people that look like the church that Jesus would have. Number one, we initiate contact with those who are different. Come on, say initiate. We actually initiate contact with those who are different. Did you notice that it was Jesus who initiated contact with the woman at the well? Notice that he didn't wait for her to speak, but he was the first one who went out and broke the ice. See, as, as, a, as a church that looks like the church that Jesus would have, you know what we would do? We are people that should initiate. We are people that should go first. We are the ones that should go out and we should say hello to them first and shake their hand. Even if you have no tattoos and they have all the tattoos, you're running towards them. And you're saying, hey, welcome. You have anywhere to sit today? Come sit with us. That people are welcome in this place. But we, we, we see it as, <clears throat> I, want, I want us to take responsibility for this because if we don't take responsibility, what we will think is that we'll just wait for someone else to do it. But when we take responsibility, we realize we're the one, we're the one that has to do it. See, Jesus was someone who would initiate he was the one who went first. Natalie made me go first. She would not tell me she loved me until I told her I loved her. And I was squirming on the inside. Come on, can I tell on myself for a second? You know what I would say? This is so bad. I like you so much. Come on, man. How did she even marry me? That's the worst line ever. I just, I just like you so much. She's like, mm-hmm, go on. She would not say it. I had to go first. You know, I believe if Jesus had a church today, it would be a church that goes first. It'd be a church that initiates. You wanna look like Jesus? Initiate. Number two, if we wanna look like this kind of church, we would not just accept people who are different, we would make them feel welcomed. We wouldn't just accept them but they'd actually feel welcomed here. In other words, we're not just, they wouldn't just feel like we're tolerating them, but that we actually want them here. You know, I kind of wonder if some people think this way about church who don't really come that often. I think this is what they know. They, they, know. they, they know you're not going to kick them out, but they wonder if you really care if they ever come back. I want us to be a people who have so much love and grace pouring out of them 
that when people come, they're gonna leave thinking, man, I, they actually cared that I was there. When you meet people out in this town <laughs> and you may, you may meet them at a restaurant and they may have had way too many drinks and they may be being obnoxious, but you have a loving conversation with them and you show, show them Jesus. I want them to think, man, what was that dude about? He, I didn't feel judged, I felt welcomed, I felt accepted. There was this something about her that just kind of got all over me. What, what was that? It's called the love and the mercy and the grace of God it comes pouring out of you. I want the same thing to be in this church that it would pour out of our church. And I think this is a really cool thought and I'll close right here. You know what I, you know what I actually believe? I believe that if we are this kind of church, if we're, if we're the kind of church that Jesus would have today, I think the Holy Spirit would begin to send people by the multitude. You know, the Holy Spirit, sometimes he only has one shot with someone. He only has one shot with them. Where would he nudge them to go? Where would he, what would he place on their heart? Where would, where's the location that he would send? If he had one chance with one person and it was, it was for all eternity where they would end up forever, heaven or hell, where would he send them? What postcard would come to them in the mail? What advertisement would come across their social media? Come on, do y'all believe God actually does this kind of thing? My point is not that we, we grow some big thing here. My point is that we create an environment where people walk in and they say, I wanna give my life to Jesus. I wanna be a part of that family. I wanna be connected with those people. That's the church that I want. That's the church that I believe that you want. That's the person that I wanna be. That's the person that I believe you want to be. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.